Today we are reading from Luke 17, verse 20 to 25, the coming of the kingdom. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that we can observe, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there, for behold. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them, for as the lightning flashes and the lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. For first he must suffer many things and be rejected by his generation. And now for Pastor Ken. Thank you. Thank you, Sharne. She reads so much more beautifully than I do. <laughs> Let us pray. Father, we, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for your goodness. Lord, come today through the power of the Holy Spirit and be in our midst, right in the midst of us, Lord. Lord, in our fellowship, Lord, may we, we learn from you today. Teach us, Lord. Let us hear from your word what you have to say to each of us today. Father, use me for your glory to communicate your word that your people might praise you. Thank you for your love and kindness to us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. It's, it's really uh, good to be with everybody here today, and uh, if you're online with us, I'm, I'm glad that you're here as well. If you're new today in this place, um, uh, this is a place that you're going to be loved, and, and my mes message, though, is not liked, and it's about Jesus, and you know, a lot of people say they like Jesus, but I think a lot of times he's treated as if he's not liked. And the last line I, that was read in the scripture today was Jesus was rejected by his generation. So, so why was Jesus rejected by that generation? And, and why is he rejected by ma the majority of our generation today? I mean, didn't he come freely to serve us and, and give us forgiveness of sin and eternal life? Why do we object to that? Now, some would say they don't believe in his claims. But I don't think that's the real truth. I, I think many just don't want to believe he has the authority as God. And there are others that, that, that don't want to believe his claims of mercy towards sinners because if they did, they would have to believe that he could forgive those that they consider their enemies. You know, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 25, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, stumbling block to the Jews, and folly to the Gentiles. See, the people in Jesus' generation... We're looking for different things from Jesus. And, and they disagreed with each other, and they hated each other because of that. 
You know, the gospel that Jesus offered them came as something that they did not expect. See, the, the Jews demanded a sign from Jesus to prove his authority as Messiah, that he was the one that would come in and he would solve all of their problems by putting their enemies down and putting them in charge so that they could then make Israel great again. And then the Greeks, they were seeking wisdom and philosophies to, to make their individual lives better. They, they wanted to live to their own potential and, and, and create this sensual cultural utopia. And then Jesus and his followers came and preached, Jesus crucified. And it was not liked by either. His gospel was a stumbling block to those that pridefully trusted in their religion, and it seemed foolish to those who were seeking their own secular solutions. And the gospel says that this God is the designer and the authority of our lives. And people accept the designer part, maybe, but not the authority. And the truth is that the Jews and the Greeks and us have all departed from that authority in many ways and offended our Creator. And we deserve the death penalty. We all deserve the death penalty for it. And that is a stumbling block. And that is foolish if you're prideful. But then Jesus, God's Son, came for us by His mercy to die for us. And He accepted us. He accepted our due penalty for sin. And He, he let that be placed on His own body, which forgave our sins and gave those who believe in Him the gift of eternal life. But, but to receive that gift, you have to be able to admit that you have no hope, that you're utterly depraved without him. And that your life and eternity is dependent on his love and mercy alone. And friends, that, that message is not liked. It was not liked then. It was not liked by the Jews or the Greeks. Because people want to control their own agenda. And it offends their pride to think that they need a Savior. Because from the Greeks' perspective, after all, it was the conservative religious Jews that were the problem. And, and from the Jews' perspective, it was the freer, fleshly indulgent Greeks that were the problem. But the real truth for all was sin was the problem. You know, today there are many that will accept Jesus if you just talk about his love. Oh, he just loves us. He just loves us. Unconditional love. And they'll, they'll kind of get on board with Jesus. But if you mention that he is God who has authority over your life, most will think that that's too extreme. You know, the religious often like the authority because they want God to control or conquer sinners that they feel are their enemies. But the truth is, we are all God's enemies because we violate his authority. But because of his love, he, he still came and he died for us. Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows us his love for in this, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
It does not say that, that Christ died for those sinners over there or those sinners outside of here. It says Christ died for us. Jesus' death was necessary to preserve what God loves you, all of us. Conservatives, liberals, Greeks, Jews, the religious and the not religious all stumble over this message because there's no self-glorification in it. His cross is not liked. And, and so many churches today have removed the cross from their buildings and often from their messages because they don't want to offend anybody because they want to grow their own kingdom or their own brand bigger. Many Christians will accept Jesus if, if he loves them and he just serves their need to be loved. But if Jesus speaks with any kind of authority over their lives, they will reject him and ignore that authority. You know, there's, to be saved, there's two aspects of Jesus you must accept. One, a servant king who comes in love to die for your sins. And, and two, a king who comes to set the world right by putting all things under his feet, all things under his authority. And so, friends, I want you to ask you right now, where does your pride cause you to stumble? Accepting you need his love and grace or accepting his supreme authority over your life? See, the cross is a picture of both. The vertical beam points up to God's authority. The horizontal goes this way, saying even if you have disobeyed God's authority, Jesus is stretching out his arms and saying, I love you this much. See, the Jews disagreed with Christ's acceptance of sinners, and the Greeks disagreed with God's authority to define what sin was but they both needed God's supreme authority to save them. And they both needed God's assurance of his love and acceptance in order to come to him to be saved. So today, let's examine both Jesus' acceptance and his authority in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 25, so that we don't stumble on his gospel and not like him. Verse 20 starts this way. It says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. The Pharisees were the religious conservatives of that day, and they wanted God's authority to come and set things right and deal with those awful Romans and Greeks that corrupted their world with sin. And, and the Messiah to them was this conquering king who came in authority to deal with their enemies. You know, this is, is from his word in the Old Testament. It says, He will raise a signal for the nations and will assemble the banished Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And they, they read verses like that, that they were going to be in charge, that he was going to take care of Israel. And, and, and there's many verses that talk about it. in that great day of judgment, the Lord's day, he will come and the enemies of God will be destroyed. And, and Jesus agrees with that. He, he would say that the kingdom of God will come and set things right. The prophets spoke about it. 
But the Jews only expected the Messiah to come once, to be this conquering authority as king. And they, they were constantly looking for signs of that day, that day of vengeance for them that was coming. And so they're asking Jesus, when would this happen? Because they were waiting for everything that they felt unjust about this world to be made right. And so he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed or in signs. That's what that word observed means. Nor will they say, look here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Friends, there is a day when God will come and make all things right. And he will deal with all the injustices of this broken world. And us sinners. But Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, it's not coming in the way you're thinking. You're looking for a specific time and a specific place. You want to be able to say, look here, it is. Or, or, or there, it is. Because that gives you power and control to be the authority in everybody's life. But that's why you stumble, because of your pride and that need to control. And because of that pride, you have not recognized that it's already come. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. His gospel of the kingdom that he has come to die for their sins has already come to the Jewish people. But they have rejected him. And why do they reject him? Because of his universal love and mercy towards sinners. This is not the Messiah of God they want or expect. And, and they're not expecting for the Messiah to come twice. Once as a humble servant to die for sinners and, and later in power and authority to, to bring about the end of all things, to, to make the world new and bring God's justice. And, and since they reject their own need to repent of sin, they reject him and his kingdom. And when Jesus says the kingdom of God is in the midst of them, the, the Greeks might have falsely interpreted Jesus' word to mean that they can conquer their own problems through their own wisdom. If God is in the midst of me, then I, I just need to look inward and find the God within me. And, and today many New Age people, uh, New Age believing people, um, may think that they like Jesus and they, they think, Oh, he was an enlightened man who, who, who got in touch with God and, and the God that's inside of all of us and we can all have this Christ consciousness and, and be like God. But Jesus is not saying God is in the midst of us in that way. He, he wouldn't be saying that to the Pharisees that reject him. He is not saying that we can grow in wisdom and be like God ourselves. The kingdom is not something you find inside. Jesus says the kingdom of God is something that you enter. He said this, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Mark 10, 25. A rich man does not find sometimes the kingdom of God because he's inquiring more with more knowledge and education. Instead, some of those things actually bring pride. And, and that pride is why it's difficult for a, 
a, a rich man to enter the kingdom? Jesus' kingdom is found, friends, through humility. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 5, 3. We don't find the kingdom of God in being our own authority like the Jews, searching for outward signs of its coming. We don't find the kingdom of God by creating a utopia like the Greeks through our human wisdom. We find the kingdom when we humbly submit to God's good authority over our life. The Bible says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Proverbs 9, 10. Jesus came as a humble servant to proclaim the kingdom of God, not to force us to believe or die. That's Islam. That's how it was spread. He came to show us God's love that we might believe in his authority to save us. When that truth of goodness is proclaimed, when, when the truth of God's goodness is proclaimed, we are to receive it. We are to receive his love, Jesus says, as a treasure. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like a treasure in a field which a man found and covered up, and then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. When we love God, we value his kingdom <coughs> over our own. And we are to enter it as a child with no status and with no pride. His kingdom is not found through our wisdom. It's, it's not found through signs that show we're right in the world. Jesus describes the secret of the kingdom to his disciples as a seed that grows in a humble heart, a heart that makes room for it. See, a prideful heart has no room for that seed to grow. And, and those that think they are wise will not like Jesus. They, 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 they won't like Jesus. Those that think they have special privilege because of religious signs will, will not like Jesus. Now, in the text, Jesus turns to address his own disciples. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. See, the disciples had found the kingdom in a community living with their humble king. It, it, it did not come by force in observable ways of place and time, but it came by relationship. Jesus came as a king to live in our midst so that we could understand what God was really like. They saw his authorities. He commanded the wind and the waves to obey him. They, they saw his acceptance of sinners as he embraced prostitutes and drunks. And he invited them into a relationship with him. They, they, those looking for wisdom thought his gospel was foolish. Those who demanded signs stumbled when the signs did not fit their agenda. And, and here Jesus claims his authority as God by saying he is the son of man. And many liberal scholars, biblical scholars, that, that trust more in their own wisdom than God's word say that Jesus never claimed authority as God except maybe a few verses in John, and that was written later. They'll, they'll make those kind of arguments. 
They will just say, he was just an enlightened fellow like Buddha. And he achieved what we can all achieve if we just search for that God within, which rejects God and his word. But I want you to know the conservative Jews, like the Pharisees, understood his claim to be God. And they rejected his authority because of his acceptance of sinners. See, that word son of man refers to Daniel chapter 7. And in verse 13 it says, Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and he was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, and all people and nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Have you ever heard maybe a more liberal theologian feels that they are enlightened by their own wisdom, saying Jesus never claimed to be God? I want you to inform them. He calls himself the Son of Man 81 times in the four Gospels, which reveals to everyone his identity and his authority. Jesus' kingdom has come to us in the midst of us, in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus informs his disciples that in the near future, well, they will not have their king in this same way, in community with them in their midst. And they may desire to be with this God who is now their friend. But, but he won't be there in the same way. But I want you to tell you, Jesus is still in the midst of his disciples, both then and today through the gift of the Holy Spirit. That gift that he will give them through the Holy Spirit the kingdom lives in each one of us. The kingdom of God is not found in our individual wisdom or our signs, but in the body, the community of believers. Jesus said this in Matthew 18, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And again I say to you, if two of you agree on anything on earth about anything, and they ask it, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Jesus is in our midst right now, giving us authority as his church in our unity and love in the Christian community. And friends, that's why his true church is often not liked. Because of its authority. And Jesus is reminding his disciples that he is coming back soon. And, and he is warning us not to fall into the same temptation or error as the Jews and the Greeks. And he says in verse 23, And they will say to you, Look there! Look here! And he says, Do not go or follow them. See, people come to us and say, look, there is the sign of the kingdom coming. Hey, now, look, here it is. This is the specific time of his coming. But friends, the kingdom has already come in part. And it's in our midst. Later, it will come in full when he returns as conquering king to make all things new on that final day. And, and Jesus tells us not to follow 
all these. Whoever these are or them are. Now it could be the church. The church that says to you, we know the day or the hour. Or it could be the church that says, the time has come. We have created this utopia here on earth. It's time for the kingdom to come to this world. Friends, we are never meant to look for our utopia here. Our utopia is God's kingdom, not here. Jesus will someday come as conquering king. And as followers, we are not to hold on to temporal things of this world, like how popular we are. It is made today fighting to preserve America as a Christian nation. It never was. And it never will be. The kingdom of God is the Christian nation. His kingdom is a community of believers worldwide. And our first allegiance is not to any country of this world. The apostle Paul says, but our citizenship is in heaven. From it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like that of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Friends, as Christians, we are to live under his authority as king. Because the kingdom of God, our leader, is in the midst of us. See, the Pharisees, they were more concerned about their nationalism, making Israel great again than letting God rule over them. And that is why, in their pride, they rejected and mocked Jesus as their king. And there are today many Christians that live as enemies of the cross in their pride in American nationalism first. Jesus came to save sinners from all tribes and all nations. He cares about the people in Burundi that Andre and Rena are going to see today as much as he cares about the people here in Plainfield. His gospel or kingdom of God is a great unifier of all nations who will humbly seek redemption from a true king. Jesus warns that many will try to gain power and control over us by telling us, hey, look here to this sign of God's favor. Oh, look here to this place and this time. It's special. He warns us not to be tempted to go with him when we long for him because we will be misled. The true kingdom is right here in the midst of his people. And he brings changes to us, important changes to us through relationship that happens internally, not through some external places and times or experiences. Even secular environments, people are constantly telling us, our world's going to end. Just watch the news. And, and this is used to control us, to keep us living, keep us from living in community with him. Look what happened during the pandemic. Many were tempted to stop worshiping together and have still not come back because secular scholars said it was not wise. They offered some special knowledge that they can predict the time and events of our destruction. And friends, that same tactic is used over and over again from pandemics to nuclear disasters to environmental disasters and now currently AI that's going to kill us. Our secular institutions often want to be the authority over his people and their lives. 
but he is our authority. And, and that's why he's not liked in the secular and political world. Fear is a way to control people. But what did Jesus say? Fear me so I can control you? Fear this disaster? He said, no, believe in me. Believe in me and do not fear. Seek me, not the kingdoms and the powers of this world. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, 33. No human wisdom knows the day that disaster is coming to destroy this world. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 36. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father only. It's mysterious, but Jesus in his humanity defers all authority to his Father, not to himself as a prophet. And so today, if you hear any prophet claiming to know the day and the hour, he's lying to you. He does not know. He's probably trying to control you or, or, or manipulate you or make money off of you. In, in some way, he or she is trying to gain some power over you. But if you give Jesus authority over your life, friends, he will set you free. Free from fear. Free from control. Now, friends, we can be, all be tempted away from true kingdom that comes in community with Jesus into a false kingdom under the control of the enemy. They can come in the form of religions and conform with the cults, political and social movements. And often those things seem good. But usually what they do is they create enemies of those in other groups. And that leads us away from the simple truth that God yet wants to unite all people. That the real enemy, the simple truth that leads us away from is the true enemy, is ourselves. When we depart from God into our sin, but we, when we point the finger of accusation, actually there's four more pointing back at us, and our, our, our pride starts to become a stumbling block that, that separates us from God. And, and friends, that can even happen to us when we think we're doing good. The apostle believed he was doing good, making the Christians the enemies of God. But when Jesus and his kingdom, the person of Jesus came to him, he was told by true good authority he was kicking against the goad, that his pride was kicking against the authority of a loving shepherd trying to guide him to green pastures and restoring water in his kingdom. Friends, we are not to allow our pride and our self-righteousness make us stumble and not enter the kingdom. Look what the Apostle Paul said after experiencing the love and the authority of our king. This saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance that Christ came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. 1 Timothy 15. This brilliant, extremely well-trained religious man did not enter the kingdom of God by his wisdom or his religion. He entered it through humility, believing in the truth of the gospel, of God's love and authority displayed for him on the cross. 
Jesus is reminding his disciples that we should not focus on the time, the season, or the place of his second coming or what they predict. He says in verse 24, For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. And the Pharisees want signs, and the Greek want wisdom. But as, as his disciples, we just need to be like children and trust his word. Because he will make it obvious to everyone when he comes. He, he, he doesn't tell all that we need to know about his second coming. But what he does tell us is it will come instantly like a flash of lightning. So we must be ready and, and be busy at our master's work of sharing that kingdom with others. We are not to waste our time fearing the end. We are to be busy doing his will so others may find his mercy in his kingdom. Also, a flash of lightning across the sky is an unmistakable thing. It, it, it's not something that is confused with a plane or a search beacon or even the light of a great city. Lightning is obvious. It's unmistakable, just like his return will be. Beloved, do not be deceived by those who they say, hey, he's already returned, or they are him returning. In history so far, over 60 individuals have, have come saying that they are him. And many may have had wisdom and, and power and signs that fool and impress men and women, and they lead them astray. But you, beloved, will recognize your Savior when he comes in power easily, just as you recognize the lightning in the sky. You will only be deceived by trusting in signs and in human wisdom instead of his word about his coming. Jesus tells his disciples what is of first importance. And it's not his second coming that the Pharisees are looking for. What is of first importance is him coming as a suffering servant who's not liked. First, he must suffer many things, and he must be rejected by this generation. Jesus even starts a sentence, but, but first, before Jesus can come and set the world right, he has to come and make us new. He has to make us right, and, and that's because God loves us so much. And, and to do that, our king must suffer. His, his gospel is not something optional. He says it must be done. It must happen or, or we all perish. Again, Jesus is saying something very offensive, that we are all so offensive in our sin to God that he, the Son of God, must suffer. His, his gospel is not optional. The, 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 this truth must be received by each one of us. I'm not talking about a religion. This, this transcends religion. It's not about wisdom. It's, it's higher than wisdom, friends. It's, it's truth. Without Christ, no one is acceptable to a holy God. I don't care de how devoted you are or how wise or moral you think you are. The Word of God says we've all fallen short of His glory. And if we seek His kingdom without Him, we will fall short of it and fail reaching it. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Friends, there is one way. It's not about a religion. It's not about our heritage. It's not about our wisdom or our morality. It's about a relationship with the man, Christ Jesus. 
You must recognize this authority and love that's in your midst right now to enter his kingdom. You know, other religious teachers like Muhammad said, I'm a prophet and I point to the truth. And Buddhism says that truth is found in an eightfold path. But at the end of his life, Buddha said he was still searching for the truth. And Hindu scripture says the truth is elusive and you will probably never find it. And Jesus said, I am the truth. Truth is found in Jesus. In a relationship with him. Without him, you do not find or enter the kingdom of God. In his perfect love, you do not need to fear his judgment. You just need to know him and follow him through the valley of the shadow of death into his kingdom. Even though Jesus is not liked, he, he, he'll, he'll let you go there with him. He accepts all who are willing to come to him because he is the only path. He gives no other option to the problem of our sin or the problems of this world other than him. We are to know him first as suffering servant before we can know him as conquering king. Jesus must die for your sins. If you say you have none or they're no big deal, friends, the truth is not in you. He is the truth. The truth is he will suffer many things as a servant king to his people. He'll be rejected, not recognized by his own people because of their pride. Isaiah 53, 2 and 3 predicts Jesus' first coming as a suffering servant. It says, He had no majesty or no form or majesty that we should look upon him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and he was rejected by men. See, the Jews were looking for some great, powerful, charismatic leader that they could be impressed with, that would impress their own pride in themselves so that they could not see and recognize a king who loved them and would go to the cross for them. A king who would suffer humiliation, mocking, cruel torture at the hands of both the religious and the secular people. Jesus was not liked. Isaiah the prophet also said the reason all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. No one looking upon Jesus believed that a king had come. Jesus said to those that questioned him, my kingdom is not of this world. It looks nothing like your governments or religious institutions of men. Hey, if you're looking for a king that looks like what men and women value in this world, you've not found him. Because Jesus is not liked. But Isaiah said, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jesus says this must happen because of God's love for us. 
And yet these words were rejected even by his own disciples. They stumbled over them when they heard them. When he shared his mission in Luke 9, 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Friends, it's almost verbatim to what Jesus said in our text today. Jesus must go to the cross and die for us so that we can escape judgment and enter the kingdom through the power of his humble service to us on the cross. And friends, even after Jesus died for them, they did not see the divine wisdom in it. The angels in his tomb, after he rose from the dead on the third day, had to remind them again, why do you seek the living among the dead? And this is in Luke 24. He is not there, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Friends, this gospel is not liked because we seek fancy signs and wisdom in our pride, trying to be in control, trying to be our own gods. But believing in or trusting in the truth of his gospel is the only way to eternal life in his kingdom. And Jesus has proved it. He proved he was not a liar, that his words were true by rising from the grave, alive again and is alive today. Not like the popular ones like Buddha and Muhammad and the sages of Hinduism, who may have been enlightened with all kinds of wisdom, but their bones are still rotting in the tomb right now. Jesus' way is not liked by man, but he has proved that he is the only way to enter the kingdom of God. Today, will you, like his disciples, accept his authority and love that forgave your sins? Will you stop trying to be in control and fix your own problems and turn from your sin and follow him? Will you stop believing in your own solutions and let him die for you, believing by faith that that must happen, that that's enough? Or are you still waiting for a sign to obey him? Are, are, are you waiting till you have more wisdom first? a temptation. Jesus' own apostles, even after he resurrected, said to him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Basically the same question the Pharisees had asked him in our text today. And Jesus reminded him before he ascended to rule his father's kingdom, it's not for you to know the times or the season that the father has fixed by his own authority. They were to instead go out and build his kingdom with him in the midst of him. And Jesus said in verse 8 of Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. My kingdom, friends, will come to you, Jesus is saying, as you share my authority in the world. As you're a witness to my love and authority in the world, even if you're not liked, that's when I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Beloved, his kingdom is not found 
with signs and wonders. It's not found in wisdom. Beloved, the kingdom is found in him, in the truth of his gospel, and the love he displayed for you on the cross, and the fact that he rose three days later. Today, will you turn from your sin? Because I was thinking this morning, I don't like him every time I turn to my sin instead of him. Jesus is not liked by me. He asks us to repent. Because he must suffer because of my sin. Every time you sin, Jesus must suffer. Sin brings suffering. It brings suffering to other people. It brings suffering to our world. But it brings suffering to our Savior. But he loves you. Even still. And he must go to that cross for you. Today, can you turn from your sin? Can you repent and come to him? It doesn't take wisdom. It doesn't take a special sign or a special experience. It takes a humble heart, recognizing their sin and simply turning to the one who loves them and died for them. Let us pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your goodness. Thank you that you were doing, willing to do the most horrible thing in the world for me. That you must do it. That you were compelled to do it. That, that it was what you had to do to save me and to save my friends here today. And Father, I pray that in hearts right now they're recognizing through the power of the Holy Spirit the truth. The truth that they have rejected you the truth that they need you and that you are good and that you are loving and that you are willing to save them by your authority and by your love. And Father, I pray they won't wait for some distant sign in the future to do it, but they will be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit to do it right now. To come under your gentle wing, to come into your love, to be washed in your blood, and to me made whole. Father, do a work in me. Do a work in this place. Do a work in my friends. Let your kingdom come to them today. Come as a humble servant king and wash away their sin. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen.